You're listening to a podcast from the Media Motel. Coming up this week in episode 436, The Big Quiz. It's unstoppable. Dangerous songs banning ABBA from the airwaves and how not to propose marriage. That's all coming up after Diana Ross and Ain't No Mountain High Enough.
all the classic Motown elements in place, written by Ashford and Simpson, the Detroit Symphony Orchestra uh, are there, the undisputed truth on backing vocals and the groove provided by the Funk Brothers, her first solo number one after leaving the Supremes, the ever-glorious Diana Ross and Ain't No Mountain High Enough. An excellent song, excellent choice of, to start our 2020. Well done, Sati. And also <laughs> memorably used. And I, I have to say, this makes me sound like a Philistine because obviously I know a lot about Motown. Regular cool. listeners will that I'm really very much into it. But I um, I do like it when films make good use of songs on their tra- soundtrack. And this was used to great effect in the first Bridget Jones's Diary film. Oh. With, uh, somebody chasing somebody else down the road. It it was a, it was an excellent excellent choice so uh, what can i say whenever i hear this i always grin and think of that moment as well welcome to the podcast from the parish council it's episode 436 i'm terence stackham and let's find out if she is to withdraw from public life and relocate to north america it's juliet harris well i mean it's really tempting obviously mm. given that i'm not really in public life in the first place mm-hmm. but um I, I, swapping britain for america feels like it's swapping one problem for another at the moment but anyway hello everyone um, jules in the last episode um we mm. we, we were recording what... on the parish council yes Indeed. We were recording one day before your latest appearance on BBC Radio 2 with Ryland Clark-Neal, and you took part in the Champion of Champions Hall of Fame quiz. Now, uh, just a very brief bit for me. You went first uh, against this other fellow that we'll come back to in a moment, and you scored a very strong 7 out of 10. Mm -hmm. What happened next, Jules? Well, what happened next was my opponent also scored... He also scored 7 out of 10, oh. and uh, it went to a very, very nerve-wracking tiebreak. Although, curiously, I wasn't nervous at all. I was sat inside Radio 2, having already met Sally Traffic, who was extremely pleasant, mm-hmm. um, having the time of my life, frankly, hanging out with her, hanging out in, in the mothership, as I put it live on air, the station of the nation. I was there. And uh, eventually, after a very nervous time break, at the beginning of the tiebreak, when news broke that it was about to move to a tiebreak, Ryland waved a piece of paper in the air and shouted, to give it back to Zoe Ball, I don't want it. <laughs> but uh, eventually, we came to the conclusion that I had won the tiebreak. So I was crowned the, uh, the the Couch Potatoes Hall of Fame Champion of Champions, which was obviously a glorious moment. And it was a lot of fun hanging out in Radio 2 as well. Everybody was very pleasant. So now you are Champion of Champions. And it, mm. I think it really is only a matter of time before the Queen does invite you to join the <laughs> royal family because they're running a bit short at the moment. I mean, they, they do need some reinforcements mm. What can I say? I mean, I, they, they now need a new modernising figure, don't they? As the previous yeah, exactly, yeah. figures have popped off. So, so were I not already spoken for, obviously I would have offered myself to some sort of minor, minor royal niece or cousin somewhere as a sort of a, as a consort. But as, as it is, I think I will just have to look back on my time in Radio Two with great fondness. And also, Ryan really is every bit as lovely in real life as he does come across in the media as well. He's a, a, a exceptionally nice chap, as was everybody on the team including Lottie, the assistant, who's very entertaining. But yes, when someone introduces themselves to you and they turn out to be Sally Traffic, that's when you know that you're in radio royalty, don't you? Everyone was everyone was really nice. And it was, you know, unfortunately, the only slight downside was that the Spice Girls we thought would be there in person turned out to be on, no, the, on the phone. And 
unfortunately, the poor production assistant was sent downstairs to tell the 45 to 50 people waiting at the stage door, who one could have assumed were my crowd, but perhaps not. Um, I wasn't approached upon my departure. Um, they had to be told that, unfortunately, there were no Spice Girls for them to meet, which I think was a disappointment to some. I wasn't really a consolation prize, it turned out. <laughs> The more astute listener would have heard about a 0.3 of a second um, sound burst there as uh, the, the, the next bit was being queued up, which is I, perfectly... I, I didn't hear anything at all, but then maybe I'm not astute. It has to be. <laughs> uh, the, the more attentive listener would have heard about 0.3 of a second of uh, a sound bite there, which would have helped with the next thing that we are coming to, which is the moment that currently has Netflix and Amazon Prime outbidding each other for the world wide worldwide rights i'm holding out for britbox so it's the big quiz and Mm -hmm. um, this is where i ask you the listener and you the juliet harris noted quizzer juliet harris well exactly you you should really get 10 out of 10 on this because you're a professional there's me setting myself up for Mm. if ever there was one um, what we have to do here is we we, we ask you, the listener and, and, and Juliet, to identify five tracks that form a theme. Um, just before, as an example, just before Christmas, for example, we, we were looking for five blokes named Dave and then the following week, five women's names. Yes. Now, this week, in a 30-second clip, we are looking for five creatures of the world, ah. five creatures that roam the earth. Um, I think it's not too taxing at all. In fact, I'm getting a very easy one to get you started. So no, That's kind. Thank you, Seti. In the titles, so it's in the titles of the five songs, one point for each creature you identify and one point for the singer or band. Dublin. what a banger eh oh what yeah um now juliet harris as spokesperson uh, mm. for the for the listener um i've got high hopes for you here so can you name the five creatures and the singers or bands involved well there's one that i almost missed entirely but we will come to that a bit later okay. so the first one i believe the creature is the karma chameleon and the band is the culture club indeed you're right there which was the second one that you struggled the second one is is nelly Furtado being like a bird i believe correct the third one uh america's horse with no name yes the fourth one i missed well i didn't exactly miss but i i I, by the time i tried to put my ears in it had flown past um light shining little light shining on me I think I will. I, was the artist Kate Bush? Yes. I don't know what the um what the oh is is it a lion? No, but I tell you what, I'll give you a point. It's it's uh, it's it's sheep. The song is "And Dream of Sheep." But right. if you could tell me the album it's from, I'll give it to you anyway. Oh 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 no! Um, I have people shouting at me because I should mm-hmm. know this. Um, because the album title is a, a creature lion. as well. <laughs> The creature is is in the title of the album. Okay, is it Lionheart? 
Oh, no, of course. Good. Yeah, that would have been a guess. No, it's Hounds of Love. Ah, of course it is. Damn it. Anyway, never mind. We got one for Kate Bush. And the last one, as as expertly continued by you after <laughs> Led Zeppelin had stopped, that is their black dog. That's right. So you see, we had Dream of Sheep and then we had Dog, Sheep Dog. Ah, uh, nice, that, nice. Yeah. Yeah, so very, very good. Nine out of ten. I wonder if you, the listener, uh, beat the Juliet Harris on you that one. You might have done, actually. That was an excellent quiz. Well done. <laughs> I have no quiz for Terence this week, which uh, you're obviously oh, heartbroken about, but never very mind. Disappointed. But I tell you what, in another world, about 40 years ago, um, I was an assistant director as a young lad on oh. the video shoot for Karma Chameleon. Way you? You've done so much. <laughs> Everything that's happened, you've been involved in. Everything. <laughs> I know. If you look at the video, it's quite interesting because it's filmed on a paddle steamer. Mm. (laughs) Of course. Where else would it be filmed? You'd think we were on the Mississippi, but the harsh reality was that uh, it was filmed on a backwater of the River Thames between Walton and Weybridge in Mm. Surrey. But the most memorable thing I remember, it was a really funny day, um, but the the paddle steamer was late turning up and then we had um, all this uh, and, and... George was getting really ratty. All the band were getting ratty because the paddle steamer was really late because it broke down. But um, the most memorable thing I remember, and of course this would never happen today, the villain of the story in the video was, um, he was a chap that was going around um, stealing coins and jewellery and um, fixing a card game. And he was scripted at the end to be thrown in the river as a sort of punishment in the final scenes. But this fellow... um, he revealed at the very last moment, they hadn't mentioned it before, that he couldn't swim. Oh, and no. I know. And the director um, swore that he didn't hear him say that bit because this was just as he was like walking oh, no. a plank. And he was chucked in the river anyway, um, even though he couldn't swim. So happily, he survived. He was fished out. But um, it does add a further dimension if you watch the Karma Chameleon video. It's the poor <laughs> chap's thrown into the river and you think, oh my God, the bloke can't swim. Well, I heard it here first. I should go and watch that with new eyes. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, oh, now, coming next, dangerous songs when the band didn't play on. Um, that, <laughs> oh, 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 that's right after Reton and Carlo. Three, six, nine girls want to drink wine. Tell the man not to waste your time. If the man broke, the man here joke. So you got to get loose with the henny and the coke. Three, two, one girls want to have fun. If the man don't dance, he's done. Tell him move on, get the man gone. Now, can I get a Coke with my rum? Three, six, nine girls want to drink wine. Tell the man not to waste your time. If the man broke, the man here joke. So you got to get loose with the henny and the coke. Three, two, one girls want to have fun. If the man don't dance, he's done. Tell him move on, get the man gone. Now, can I get a Coke with my rum? Get a 
streets of your catwalk Make your body talk that talk Not to waste my time If you see a broke man sign If the man can't whine You gotta get next in line is a couple of years old um, or three years old and we're now in 2020 I believe it came out in um, in uh, 2017 um, I really like that I think it's fabulous um, by uh, Riton and Carlo and that is Fake IT yeah I, it's new to, new to me as well and um, I rather like that but I also rather like the fact that Riton's real name is Henry Smithson which is a wonderful sort of PG Woodhouse name it is, it is a little bit isn't it do you think that he doesn't quite want the world to know that he is Henry Smithson I, I suspect so yes yes now as we record this in January 2020 the world is going through a, a volatile phase again with <laughs> yeah. drones and missiles way of putting it, actually, yeah. so we've, mm. we've still got a few local difficulties indeed we do there's missiles heading one way and the other in the middle east and this reminded us of one of the peculiarities of broadcasting you know things are getting serious when the bbc and other broadcasters start banning pop songs as they feel the title or the lyrics might be upsetting for sensitive listeners in in times of conflict during the gulf war or gulf wars in fact the BBC stopped playing records with very tenuous links to war or guns. Poor Phil Collins found his In the Air Tonight band simply because, well, missiles fly through the air, even yes. though the, the song is broadly about his first wife and their breakup. And um, even Abba's Waterloo got banned, uh, the thought being that slight links <laughs> to a battle fought in 1815 might be too much for listeners. Jules, when anyone could tune in to 24-hour news and see footage of bombs exploding, the imminence of death, horrors around the world, really, do people actually get traumatised by Radio 2 playing Blondie's Atomic? Now, you'd think that the answer would be no, and really, I ought to just say no, and then we can move on. Just move but, on. Uh, but right. have, yes, indeed, I lost Get Over It, etc. But, um, however, I I am going to take a slightly different view on this. So my view is, is, that, is that I'm going to take this from the point of view of somebody who may have a member of their family serving in the armed forces. Hmm. 
so perhaps a, a child or a brother or something if i was say a mother that had a son or a daughter serving in the armed forces um I would probably be avoiding TV news because I would be aware of the fact that something, you know, that I would be likely to see things there that I wouldn't want to see, if you see what I mean, or things that might trigger me or things that I might find difficult and would remind me that, that you know, that my, my family member or loved one was away at war. If I was listening to pop music radio... I would feel that would be a safer place than watching TV news. So I don't think that pop music, I think, I think if you say, oh, you can watch this on the, you can see it on the news, etc. I think that the purely music radio is a, is a, is a slightly different space. Yes. I know they have news bulletins, but there's, there's a sort of a, there's a, I don't know. I, I find, you know, it's, it's this snowflake argument all over Mm. again, isn't it really? And I, and I think that actually, given that we live in an increasingly unkind and difficult world, I'm not sure that it is actually that that awful and that beyond the pale to remove songs from the radio that might have, have warlike phrases in them. I think it depends how far you want to take it. I mean, poor old Phil Collins and things being in the air. Yes, I do. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm never that happy to hear Phil Collins anyway, but um, I can understand why... Mm that seems a little bit more abstract but um the the, the interesting thing do you remember massive attack who had to be massive for unfinished sympathy that's a bit daft but i you know in 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 an increasingly sort of unkind world i i admire the consideration of people thinking well perhaps you know if if someone has got a member of family serving in the army or or perhaps someone is a refugee over here who has fled conflict or or whatever i can you know I, i have some sympathy for for you know, given how many records there are in the world, perhaps not playing the ones that are that are obviously about war, I can kind of see why why just as a as just as a level of thoughtfulness why we might want to do that. I I'm I you know, I, I know it depends how far you take it, but I'm not unsympathetic to the idea of doing it. In, in, the, in the sense of how far you take it, British broadcasters, and in particular BBC, seem to almost relish overreacting to events. Danny, Danny Baker and his five live listeners might uh, agree with me there. An apology isn't sufficient anymore. There has to be sackings and resignations and humiliations. And this overreaction also manifests itself when broadcasters try to mother the nation. And we're not in the age of Lord Reith anymore. And I just think... I do think banning pop records is absurd and pointless because, and and this is the point I'm going to make about um, the degree. I I look this week, you could could go to the top 40 in the UK or the Billboard Hot 100 in the USA and on any given week find reasons for 50% of all songs upsetting someone because of the lyric or the title. And the one I I chose to illustrate this is right now this week um, in the UK, a song hurtling up the top 40 is falling by trevor daniel it's a straightforward song about falling in love but it could be argued that if you tripped up on a paving slab this week well a song called falling might trigger you it might cause you untold trauma i think i think that that this isn't a really i think this is a bit of a a pure old comparison sorry to be blunt but uh, (laughs) i think i think i'm just gonna say i think that you know someone well it's where you draw the line that's i mean i've obviously i've gone to an extreme to make the point i think that people having their relatives at risk overseas is a slightly 
a slightly larger pool. But and what song, pool. George, sorry to interrupt you, but what song is going to trigger it? Because, you know, the BBC um, got rid of Abba's Waterloo and Phil Collins and Blondie's Atomic, which indeed as well has got absolutely nothing to do with conflict. No, so I mean, which but, songs? Well, anything that op- that, that overtly uh, mentions guns or bombs or anything like that, I think I would probably get rid of. So, um, so come as you are by Nirvana, I don't have a gun. You know, I I I can see or anything that you know, perhaps poor old War by Edwin Starr. That is genuinely about war, isn't it? So, uh, so yeah, I think there are some records. Perhaps if a record has gr- has overtly war or violent content or violent sort of imagery used within it, why not take it off? Is is my view. I, I just want to emphasise my point being that almost anything can be construed to be offensive or troublesome to somebody. And we should take... Yeah, and and my, my point is that, you know, mm. someone tripping and falling over on a pavement is a bit different to someone's loved one being in danger. And I think that it's actually not un, unreasonable to want to consider the, the needs of those people, which are a class of people, I think. Then also, OK, I, I, I take that on board, but sort of off um, just off center of that a little bit i it isn't a role for some anonymous manager or committee to decide for us what we should hear or not and then you can broaden it out beyond war as well and say songs with others i don't know content that might upset people i always remember one of the, uh, the, the for example the, the the couple of them i remember one of the very first songs that i became ever aware of that was banned by the bbc was je t'aime moi non plus oh, by jane yes. birkin with a bit of breathing on it and then we had frankie goes to hollywood's relax which was banned oh, unbanned banned and then unbanned again in, in <laughs> space of about a I month never work out whether i was meant to listen to that or not yeah no I, I i i don't disagree i mean yeah it is but then that's a slightly that's slightly different i think because mm. that's that's working out i mean that does seem to be more in the age of uh, that does seem to be more in the in in the realms of what you know what what people should or shouldn't morally listen to in that oh it's you know it's it's offensive well not exactly it's offensive but well maybe it is maybe the difference is to you know it's not it's not people's it's not people's place to think about what's what's morally offensive or not but it might be people's place to try and have a a sort of care and a sensitivity as to what might be upsetting for for people and in times of sort of national anxiety and conflict so you're happy for a playlist committee to sit in um your second home broadcasting house i'm um, i'm happy for i'm happy for people who are you know playing music to millions and millions of people to give some to to at least exercise some thought and care when deciding what to play for people okay um coming right up what are you gonna is it a song about war luckily not (laughs) after this next song tales of marriage proposals including an extreme way of going about it that's I right. Forward, I look forward to your question after the next tractor. <laughs> That's right. After, I don't think this is about war at all, but it's uh, favourites of this this podcast. Hmm. It's big, big Joni. It's a new year, and I'm still here. It's
Yes, my apologies to anybody who is depressed by the new year. Um, uh, Terence, Terence, the playlist committee will decide whether or not we should have played that out and will issue a grovelling apology at the end of the podcast. Um, yeah, Big Joni, we both like very much, I think. I had the pleasure of going to see them actually just before Christmas, about a year or so ago, and really enjoyed them. Um, their record, um, fantastic album, and I'm a, I'm a big fan of... of uh, of Big Joni generally, I think they're great. The record is called Sisters, I believe, and uh, that was the opening track from it. And because it feels apt, this is our first podcast of 2020. That was New Year. More rounded sound, I think, from Big Joni there, and some yes. lovely, almost Coldplay-like guitar on that. But yes, which I'm sure they wouldn't thank you for that. Probably wouldn't. And it's a it's a fair one. It's nice. I have. I, it's funny you say that because I have to be careful with Big Joni because last summer, Chard, Chardine Taylor Stone, oh, yes. singer and drummer, told me off on Twitter. Oh, did she? Um, yes, she does that quite a lot, I think. Yes, because I apparently I inferred her name was Chardine and it is Chardine, and uh, ah. she said, obviously, you don't know how to pronounce my name. So um, yeah. I, I got it in the neck for that. Yeah, well, I'm, I am sorry. I um, I, 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 uh, It's all your fault. I, I knew somehow it would be. Um, there's <laughs> the the, uh, the 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 other sort of singer because the three of them uh, sort of Shardine, uh, uh, I believe, is the drummer, and they uh, and they they unusually adopt a lineup on stage where they all stand in a line. So mm-hmm. she stands in it, it sort of equal to to the singer and, and the bass player, and the singer singer guitarist is uh, someone called uh, Stephanie Phillips, who I've followed for years on Twitter. It turns mm-hmm. out we both followed each other and didn't realise I hadn't realised who she was until I went to went to see them play. And then messaged her afterwards. Oh yeah, it's you. And she went, Oh yeah, it's you. So uh, she's been a music journalist for some years. But no, I'm a, I'm a big fan of Big Journey. They have a they have a strong views on all sorts of things, particularly political views. Um, but I I I you know I I really enjoy the music, and that album is a fantastic album. They they're worth watching live as well. They are interesting. Just don't call her Chardine. Um. At your peril, apparently. Indeed so. Last Sunday afternoon, um, the only woman in the world who can put up with me and myself went out for a lovely walk in the Surrey Hills. And um, we were walking along a very quiet footpath between Gomshall and Shear. And uh, our, eyes, our eyes were drawn to a couple somewhere ahead of us who were embracing. And uh, then suddenly the fellow went down on one knee and I said, oh, my goodness, he's proposing. So... We walked past as discreetly as it's possible to do on a, on a narrow path, um, got to Shear, decided it would be dark soon, so headed back the way we came, and of course came across the couple again. Mm. And my, my rather outspoken partner said, um, oh, our congratulations in order. Oh, no, that was that was brave, wasn't it? Very oh. risky, because I was saying, well, what if he was just down on one knee brushing some mud off a shoe or something? But uh, oh, what if you said no? That, that's know, nightmare, you thought. I know, uh, but the, but the, the the woman who the only woman in the world who can put up with me is is rather blurty on these issues. So, um, <laughs> I mean, I can't say I'm enormously surprised, but anyway, do no. carry. And well, anyway, the young woman showed us her engagement ring. Oh, that so is it, nice. Congrats yeah. to her and to, to to the two of you for not having caused a diplomatic. No. Well, I said to the young bloke, 
why did you pick this particular spot? And he said, well, because I thought it would be quiet. Uh, so I said, yes, until we wandered into your moment. Uh, n- not great timing. And the chap, he, he sort of smiled ruefully. And it occurred to me that in years to come at their wedding or at the silver anniversary, for example, when someone um, asks them, oh, you know, who were the first people you told about your engagement? It won't be their parents <laughs> or their best friends. Uh, he'll have to say, oh, well, I don't know, some random strangers, a couple of <laughs> odd people on the path between Gomshal and Sheer, this this uh, woman who you know burst out to us, oh, are you engaged? And um, so I apologise uh, to them for that. Um, and uh, But meanwhile, Jules, you've been looking into more dramatic ways of proposing <laughs> marriage. I have, and this is, this is apparently true. I feel like I need to say this at the beginning of the story. By the way, I had friends, and this is going to be rather scotched by the fact that I, I cannot entirely remember all of the story but basically they got they got engaged a number of years ago now they've been married for for you know sort of several years so this would have been about a decade ago i reckon and the the proposal was filmed from a sort of multiple angles it was almost sort of professionally done and i can't remember if uh, because the the bloke arranged the filming if the girl knew or not i think she might have known it was going to happen at some point Ah. i I, I mean congratulations to them but uh but yeah it it, 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 it seemed a bit strange to me i must admit but anyway maybe i'm just not very romantic um but speaking of not very romantic these proposals um i know that different people have different you know thresholds of what they find romantic or don't and different have people have different sort of comfort blankets of, of levels of comfort so let me tell you this story i'm going to it's written out rather beautifully on the bbc's website so anastasia or anastasia depending on your your pronunciation is expecting her boyfriend sergey to be waiting for her when her flight arrives at st petersburg airport but as she lands he texts to say that due to unforeseen work commitments a friend will be picking her up instead so far so normal later as anastasia is approaching her apartment building in the friend's car a minibus with blacked out windows screeches into their path armed men in masks jump out and take her driver friend away now i'm already starting to panic i must admit anastasia is led to the back of the car she was traveling in the men become rifling through her things in the boot and discover a small packet full of white powder surrounded by men clad in black special ops uniform a female plainclothes detective turns to her and says you're suspected of supplying banned substances the color in anastasia's face swiftly drains away you must be mistaken that's not mine she says smiling nervously um then whose is it enough with the games a man barks the questions continues until the man opens the packet to reveal a small pink box and what's this he asks no idea she replies her voice breaking suddenly the man who gets down on one knee rips off his mask and shouts marry me it's sergey and it turns out he's the only one here who actually works in law enforcement the others work for an extreme proposal service part of an industry which apparently has been established in russia in recent years sergey's driver friend was in on the secret he pretended to be frightened when the masked men stopped her. now do you want to know how much um if you do want to propose to to you know a loved one either your partner or some Somebody else at some point, who knows? Mm. Um, 
How much would you like to pay for the privilege? Extreme proposals can cost as little as 700 rubles, which is £8.70 roughly in our money, or $10.50 for a half-hour photo session with a member of the security forces to around 60,000 rubles, which is about £745 to you and me, or $900 in the States, for a full security forces show. Sergei's extreme proposal had set him back 30,000 rubles. He considered approaching real law enforcement colleagues and had approached people from the Federal Security Service, but they turned him down. Um, he said, people from work could go over the top and break something. They can be scary, whereas I suppose poor old Anastasia wasn't scared at all during her experience. Um, I don't know what these people are doing, really. It's it's insane. Apparently, there have been several franchises. It's really big in Russia. You might say only in Russia. There's someone complaining that Sergey complaining that his clients always want the same drug bust routine. He says <laughs> they've got no imagination. They all want special ops, armed arrest, drugs. He says um, it's all very um, it's all very odd. I think really. Um, I'm not. Um, although th- there's an interesting um, there's an interesting sideline. And when I say only in Russia, I do mm. actually mean only in Russia. Mm got a psychologist here um polina soldatova says the appearance of these they're called spesnaz shows um are, and other extreme engagement are a testament to the role of police officers in russians everyday lives humor is a way for society to respond to what is happening with it she tells the bbc which is very shrewd i think these pranks are a way of accepting the fact that the security forces can always come for you people need a way to reconcile themselves with this reality it's very anastasia says by the way speaking of anastasia and sergey how are they doing she says she wasn't angry with sergey for long but the affair was an initial shock for her it was really scary nothing like that ever happened to me before sergey asked her if she knows how many years in jail she would have faced had the drugs bust been real up to 20 years for that amount of drugs apparently um it's all very i i find this extremely peculiar i must admit i thought that 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 uh that psychologist phrase is you know shows rather it's a rather stunning indictment on russian society isn't it really but i i fail to see the romance in this i am um, it's it's like i don't know if we've talked about my my occasional obsession with don't tell the bride previously are, are you familiar with don't tell the I, bride? I i know of it where i think the groom is sent out to organize yes. the wedding is that the right groom yeah. organizes the wedding and it always entertains me how they get it wrong so often bless them even when they're really trying to get it right and i remember there was one where the groom knew that his bride to be had always wanted to go skydiving that she really wanted to do a skydive and so he was trying hard to give us something that she really wanted and so decided they would skydive into the wedding and oh then she God. would have to go straight into the wedding with obviously hair and makeup all over the place i mean bless you know i i i know that you know perhaps different people are not just across genders but different people are 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 wired differently as to mm. what they what they find romantic or not but i am struggling to see how anybody would 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 ever this does seem to be not hugely appropriate doesn't it really would you i mean you know are you really at your most joyful moment when you've been busted for fake drugs and someone then says will you marry me i'm, I'm i mean you know i'm not sure that's the greatest moment to pick do you no, these Russian people are utterly insane. I, I thought our, 
are barging into the proposal on the country path <laughs> was bad enough, but to have imagine, to... Re- re- imagine if... Well, it would have been even more romantic if you'd said that you were plainclothes police officers yes. and to arrest one of them for drugs <laughs> offences. That would have made it perfect, I feel. Well, you know what we're saying about the, the, the couple in uh, in the Surrey Hills, you know, we were saying that their memory of being getting engaged is me yeah. and uh, the, the, the woman who puts up with me, you know, walking along. Um, if you've got to relate your memory of your marriage proposal being when you're intended pretended to have you arrested by armed men in masks i mean that's beyond bonkers isn't it i mean it's it's, it's hardly a little uh, romantic anecdote you can relate to your grandchildren <laughs> in your later years it, it's a sign as that psychologist rightly says of it well she doesn't quite say it but i'll say it. it's a sign of, of a society that's got something quite severely wrong with it isn't it really so it's 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 very i just find it i can't even begin to sort of talk about this in a serious way because i just can't find any frame of reference to engage with here it's it's mad i'm confident i would genuinely have heart failure if anyone tried that on me <laughs> yes so if you're listening partner of terence yes for you to bear in mind if you take out some life insurance and then try <laughs> that one on me you'll be well away um thanks very much indeed for listening it's good to be back with you this is lovely to lovely to have you back and to be be back here doing this for you once again thank you so much and thanks to hilly and rona as well for their their help in this episode shout out um, until Ace listener um, to the podcast, Niall Brannigan, uh, told us earlier this week, I didn't know that Ian Sutherland of the Sutherland Brothers had died just before Christmas. The, the Sutherland Brothers were terrifically talented. They found themselves caught between two worlds, though. Um, they didn't care much for image and so had limited appeal to teen pop fans. And they weren't taken too seriously by uh, the followers of their roots in folk music because they wrote modern short popular songs uh, this is in the early mid 70s was, was that you know their, their most prolific times um, they were masters of emotional songwriting with flawless harmonies between the brothers so to play us out a song chosen by uh, Nile Brannigan this is the, mm, it's a Sutherland Brothers band and the pie when I say I love you just act like I don't know Trying hard to prove you near me I'm always asking if you hear me Telling me it's nothing When you say you've got to go While I'm trying to unwind It's my loneliness that's binding me
You've been listening to a Parish Council production. <laughs> <laughs>